Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Now, today my sermon has got a name. It's called Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. And it's one of a series that we've been doing on the second letter that the famous Apostle Paul wrote to the young disciple Timothy. Now, it's, it's an old Christian passing on the faith to a young one. An old Christian with lots of experience and things to share, trying to equip a younger man, knowing that, that Paul's time to leave will come, and that Timothy is one of the up-and-coming generation. It's a bit like old Murray and old Jeremy and mature, sensible, wise Jenny passing on to Tyra and Luca the whatever we can to help them as they rise as disciples and as leaders in the Christian community. Now, actually, Luca is a very good example to use because Timothy is noted for having a mother and a grandmother who were women of God. And Timothy had actually learned how to follow Jesus by watching his grandmother and his mother, which Luca has been able to do too. Please don't forget, though, that when we talk about young Christians, it might not just be that they're young in age, like Tyra and Luca are, but sometimes people, even though they're quite young in the faith, they're not young people as such, but they've they're up and rising leaders. Now, there are two people who aren't here today. One is Emmanuel, who often sits back there, and one is Ngahui, who has just started coming. Although those people haven't really been in Christ very long, they are in a position where, they, where people look to them and make demands on them. And actually, in their circle of friends who are mainly godless, they are the go-to person, the person that people come to for advice. So for us to put time into Emmanuel and for us to put time into Ngahui is well worthy of our time as well. In fact, older Christians here, I'll say this. If you get nothing else from this whole series of sermons, just remember this, that for old Christians to put time into younger Christians to help them grow is a very, very good use of our time, passing on our heritage to younger ones. The Bible says, in fact, the letter of this letter says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Now I'll unpack that. What that means is convince means that I put time into Luca to make sure that he really, really knows what he believes and why. That's convincing. Rebuke means sometimes I tell Luca off. I don't often actually have to because he cheers me up so much I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But if he needs telling off, I'm supposed to do it. Exhort, that's to get behind someone and say, Juliet, you can do this. When you stood up and spoke the other day, it was cool. We loved it, all right? So keep going. Don't stop. Once is not enough. That's exhorting, all right? What does it say next? It says, with all long-suffering, which is a pretty gloomy-sounding old-fashioned word for patience, all right? We put up with each other. It might take time. It does take time. And teaching, you know what that is. And that's why I'm here today, because older Christians put time into me when I was a teenager growing up. They identified potential. They thought it was worth their time to leave whatever they were doing and put time into Jeremy Welsh and his friends. And thank you, all those people. Because of them, I'm here today. Today's focus scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse 15, it says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, 
a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the word diligent means hardworking and steady and faithful. You keep at it. That's what diligent means. Listen again. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I was talking to Tyra on Wednesday, and she said, what are you talking on on Sunday? I said, I'm talking about dividing the word of truth. And she said, what? Dividing, eh? I said, well, you better come. Is she here? Oh, my goodness. Well, she came and she left. So there you go. She'd better listen to the podcast. Now, from now on, I'm going to, I didn't do this just for her, all right? From now on, I'm going to not do two things that I usually do in a sermon. One of the things I'm not going to do today, everybody does when they preach a sermon, but today I'm not going to. And the other thing, when I preach a sermon, I usually do it, but today I'm not going to. So when we get near the end of it, I'm going to ask, did anybody pick up what I'm not doing today? There's a reason for that, and I'll tell you at the end. Now this expression, this strange expression, rightly dividing the word of truth, it comes from a Greek word, of course, which is orthotomaunta, which means to make a straight cut, to dissect something correctly. That's what it means, rightly dividing the word of God. Your translation may well have the word rightly handling the word of God. Has it? It has. It has. And some, some of your translations will have rightly handling the word of God. And that's a good translation. One translation said interpreting, and I'm not quite sure if that's quite so good. But handling is a good translation. Why would we pull apart, correctly dissect, rightly divide the word of God. A few years ago, in communist China, it was illegal to be a Christian and it was illegal to have a Bible. And so people would meet in secret. They couldn't worship freely like we do. And they might have one Bible between the whole church. And each week, that, that Bible had been separated out, just a few pages, a few pages, a few pages. And this week, it's your turn to take home these few, few pages. Care for them really carefully. Don't lose them. And while you've got them for a week, memorize them, write them out into a notebook so your, your own personal Bible can start to, be, um, to, to, to come along. Now, I don't think that's what Paul meant by rightly dividing. But I told you the story to remind every one of us how precious the Bible is and how privileged we are that we're just allowed to own one and to freely let people know we've got it. By the way, if you need a Bible and you don't know how to get one, see us afterwards because it's great to have a Bible of your own. So what do you think is the best way for us? So what do I think is the best way for us to study rightly dividing the word of truth? Now, there are all sorts of things I could talk about today. And this morning I read through my sermon and chopped a piece out, you can see. And that dealt with dividing between the Old and New Testament. You know, rightly dividing that, what applies and what doesn't. But I've left that out so you've been spared. But today, what I've decided to do is focus in on one question. And I hope it's really helpful to you. And it's this. Which part of the truth... Which part of the word of truth is most helpful right here, right now? Which part of the truth is appropriate for me to share right now? 
I hope that's worthy of our attention. King Solomon wrote this, and I'm quoting from the contemporary English version. The right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. Is that true? Oh, yeah. The right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. It's hard to think of something that's more precious than the exact right word at the right time. It can save someone's life. It can cheer them up and so on. But we've got to get the right word. You see, God's truth is huge. And if I've got five minutes in the supermarket with someone, I can't tell them the whole of God's truth. In fact, I can't even tell them the bits that I know. So I've got to be wise and say, which bit of God's truth am I going to share with this person in the supermarket today? You see, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. So if I want to sow faith out there, I'd better sow the Word of God. But which bit will I share, and how will I share it? Christians get it wrong. Barry Maguire, the famous singer, told a story many years ago. He was in a church rather like this. And when people left, he found himself sitting next to a young hippie man. And the young hippie said to Barry, I, my life is such a mess. I'm just absolutely lost in sin. And Barry Maguire said to him, you've come to the right place. Jesus Christ can free you from sin. And an old lady who was sitting just over there said, Young man, we sin every day in thought, word, and deed. And the young hippie said, Well, you can't help me then. And he walked out. Do you see what happened? Barry Maguire is trying to share the gospel. A lady come up with something that she thinks is the truth. It's from the Bible, she thinks. I'm not sure that it is the truth. But by doing it at the wrong time, she blew it. Last week, I was there when a young man said to a Christian, I'm not forcing my beliefs on you, and you're forcing your beliefs on me. Because she was. She wouldn't listen. She was, she was having her say first. The most important thing that we can share with people is the gospel. Is that right? And we can do that well, or we can do it badly. What is the gospel? What does it mean? The gospel, what does that mean? Do you know? The good news. In Māori, it's te pai, which literally means hearing good, something good to hear. Actually, te pai is a better word, isn't it? Let's say that instead of gospel from now on, all right? Now, Barry Maguire says that there was a time, this is before the hippie thing, Barry Maguire wasn't a Christian, he was a famous singer. And he was in a hotel, and he came in one night to his hotel, and he's sat down on the bed, and on the table, there was a book. And the book was called Good News for Modern Man. Have you ever seen it? And Barry Maguire said to himself, well, I'm a modern man, and I could sure use some good news. So he read the book, and he came to Jesus Christ. He found salvation through that book. So Barry Maguire believed in the good news. But you see, when he's trying to share the good news with the young hippie, the old lady comes along and derails it. Barry Maguire was a good news kind of a guy. So where do we start sharing the gospel? What should we say first? Well, when I was a teenager, we had lessons on how to witness. 
you've got to learn to share your faith. And so here we've got this book, and it's called The Four Spiritual Laws. I can hardly say it without an American accent. Could, have you seen the book? It's only little. You, like, they were cheap. You could get, you know, five for a dollar. And, and so we went out in the streets in Auckland Friday night or something, and we said, Say to someone, oh, excuse me, have you heard of the four spiritual laws? I go, no. <laughs> he said, well, look, can I just share with you? Oh, I suppose. So uh, you say, look, here's the first spiritual law here. See, it says in the Bible, in Romans, blah, 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 it says, it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Did you know that? They go, oh, I don't think I've done anything really bad. I've never killed anyone. So, ah, but have you ever told a lie? Well, yes. Well, then you're a liar. You see, you're a sinner. Now let's look at page two, the wages of sin is death. Now this is how we used to preach the good news. At this stage, let's, I'm talking to a man, okay, let's call him Clem, all right? Clem goes, hang on a minute. Last night, my mum, last week, my mum was diagnosed with cancer. I'm concerned because my firm's just been taken over and I'm not sure if I'm going to keep my job. And the vet today said my dog needs an operation that's going to cost $400. And now this guy comes along with, I need some good news. No, thanks. And off, off goes Clem, you see. Now, I'm not saying that no good ever came of the four spiritual laws. It did. People's lives were changed. But I don't think that's the beginning of the gospel. I don't think the beginning of the gospel is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If the gospel is good news, that's not where it starts. You can agree or not. So I'm going to give you some other ideas. Where does the, the good news start? Where does the Bible start the good news? What about this? Isaiah says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Is that the start of the good news? Sounds pretty good news to me. Why didn't I tell Clem that? All right. What about this one? And some angels came along and they said, Be not afraid, for behold, we bring tidings of glad tidings of great joy for unto you in the city of David is born a saviour who is Christ the Lord. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Sounds better than what I told Clem. But what about this? John says this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Is that good news? Woo! That's the big... The beginning of the Gospel of John, verse 1, I just started it. That's how he started. John didn't start by saying all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, which, by the way, is true. We have. What about this? John the Baptist, he sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's pretty good news, isn't it? And what about Jesus standing up in the synagogue like this and reading from the prophet Isaiah? He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Is that good news? I wish I told Clem that. See, there's a lot of good news in there. Or what about this? When Jesus first preached, what did he say? What were the first words of Jesus preaching? Do you know? Does anyone know? It was this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's the first thing he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. It's how he started. So with good news busting out of the Bible, why do people think that Christians are grumpy and judgmental? Why do they think that Christians are bad news? Knock, 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 knock. Oh, it's someone religious. Let's pretend we're not home. All right? Why? Did Jesus ever tell people off? Oh, yeah. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but inside full of rottenness and dead men's bones. Yeah, Jesus told people off. But he only ever told off people who thought they were cool. Smug, proud, religious people. But most people Jesus met knew that they weren't doing well. Most people I know are the same. They don't need to be told off or shown their faults. They know them. They need comfort. There was a story in the Bible of a woman who was caught in adultery. That means she was caught doing the deed with someone else's husband. She was a marriage wrecker. And under the law of the day, she was to be stoned to death. Now, most of you know this story quite well. But do you remember what Jesus actually said to her? I'll repeat all the things he said to her, his whole talk. He said this, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, there was a whole bunch of people around who had been telling her how bad she was. Jesus didn't need to do that. She knew. That's why he didn't tell her she was bad. Now, the last time, it might have been the last time I said that in this church, which was a few years back now, we had a long-term member, and uh, he'd been coming for many years. And after that, he resigned. He said, I'm leaving this church because Jeremy is too easy on sin. If he had trouble with Jeremy, my goodness, he wouldn't have liked Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures is this. It comes from Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I love that. When the Bible translators first had to translate that into English, they got to this word, compassion, There wasn't a word for it. They had to invent it because Jesus' kindness and love for people was something that wasn't even in the English language. So the word compassion was invented by the translators of the first English Bible I have been told. There's something that happens to me time time after time, time and time again. I'm talking to a broken person. Maybe their house has been burgled or smashed up. And in Huntley, the most likely person to smash your house up is your son. I'm not lying. They have to leave their house because it's been sold and they don't know how they're going to get another one. There's a divorce or a breakup. There are physical and mental health problems. Lost job. They're broke. The car's been impounded or it's broke down and they don't, don't know how to fix it. Their kids are in trouble. There's abuse of every kind you could imagine. Any word that comes before the word abuse, it's there. 
and often the abuse is being done by the very people who should kindly care and protect them. Maybe authorities, maybe their own family, usually their own family. And as people tell me these stories, what should I do? As people tell you these stories, what should you do? The first thing you should do is listen, because they need you to listen. Very recently, I was in a situation where somebody began to pour his heart out, and the Christian just started in with the stuff that I used to give Clem, you know, ah, this is what you need. Didn't even listen. Now, one thing about listening to people is it earns the right for them to listen to us. You got that? Now, this man didn't listen to this Christian person because she didn't listen to him and he didn't listen to her. So listen. Let them talk. Listen with your heart and cry and hug if you need to. But as you do, pray and ask God to help you. And then... When the time is right, we rightly divide the word of truth. We, we give that portion that's right for now. We speak healing and comfort, the right word at the right time. Now, there's a scripture I use more and more often. And at the moment in my life, I'd say this is probably the scripture that I share the most with people outside the church. It's the words of Jesus. Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, after I say that, I explain to the person what a yoke is. Most people don't know. How Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has condescended to come down to us and actually walk through life like this with us. Because that's what a yoke is. It used to go across two animals' backs, and so the two animals would work as one. One animal is us, just ordinary old us, and the other is Jesus Christ through whom the universe was created, who will come down and walk with us. That's why his burden's easy. He's taken the load. And people go, I don't know how I even survived. But it was like Jesus just carried the load for me. It's scriptural. That's the gospel. Let's speak with grace. I've talked about rightly dividing the scriptures, but sometimes the word of truth will be something completely new. Sometimes the word of truth that God asks you to talk to someone about is not the scriptures. It might be something else. I've asked Amy to come up and tell a little story about something that happened because this, just as much as what I've been talking about, is sharing the word of truth. It comes directly from God. Don't forget, just while she's coming, that when Paul was talking to Timothy, there was no New Testament written down and collated. So Paul couldn't ask Timothy to quote New Testament scripture. A lot of what Timothy had to tell people, he just had to listen to God and say it. So here's Amy. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> a bunch of us run a community-based youth group over at Trinity Church. Um, some of you might not know. Um, it's quite community-based. We attract a lot of um, gangsters and wannabe gangsters and... All sorts. You, you get a bit of culture shock sometimes when you walk in there. Well, I did when I first started going um, years back. Um, it, but it's an awesome bunch, um, a challenging bunch at times. 
Um, and one night um, we had a guy coming along and he was, um, yeah, he was coming along for a while and he was causing a bit of trouble. And we try and create a space where it's not like school. We don't say, these are the rules. We're like, this is what we're about. Be a part of this whānau, you know, this is sort of the wording we, we use. So, but this particular night, this boy would be coming for a while and I'd girls, had girls coming up to me saying he's being really disrespectful um, and I'd watched him and he was really... Um, my blood was starting to boil, he was just really starting to tick me off. And I've usually got a lot of patience and a lot of grace um, in this space. Um, and we hardly have to tell, well, sometimes we have to tell people off, but it's, yeah, the way we do it is really, like Jeremy's saying, out of love. But this night, I didn't want to bring this boy good news. Um, and during the talk, we always have a talk every night at the end, and during the talk, I was like, right, I'm walking straight up to him afterwards, I'm pulling him aside, and I'm, you know, I'm going to give it to him. And... So it all finished, the last prayer was said, and then we all stood up, I stood up, started walking to him, and I just felt God drop into my head the words clown boy, and I was like, just sort of stopped, and then I just felt God just speaking to me um, about this guy, Um, so instead of going up to him and giving him an earful, I grabbed Aaron and said, look, I've got this word for this boy, and so we we went aside and I said, "Um, hey, sometimes God... Um, drops some words and thoughts into my mind to, to help people out. And I just said, um, I've got this word clown boy come to mind. Does that mean anything to you? And he's like, what the? Um, how do you know that? Like, and I was like, well, it's not about me. You know, God can speak through anyone. Um, and I just said, I feel like someone significant in your life has spoken that over you and you've become that because you've heard it so much that you've become that word um, and he was a bit like that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, but that wasn't the reason I was giving him the word. It was dropped into my mind. I had no idea. And he just said, "How?" Nah. He grabbed his mate and he's like, "Bro, you know, my dad says this to me all the time. You know, like, you know, just really brings me down with these words." And he was just like blown away. He's like, "Are you a psychic or something?" And we we're like, had to go on to tell him about, you know, word of word of knowledge and all of that. Um, and I just went on to just share some of God's promises, you know, that he's your heavenly father and he wants to replace words spoken and he's not this far off God, but he wants to meet with you in your day-to-day life and all of that. Um, so, yeah, it was just a pivotal moment for him and um, his the trajectory of his life was heading into some pretty rough, some pretty, yeah, bad decisions and all of that. He was already in that zone and last time I heard he was on a course and just I had a conversation with him and he's, he's older now, he's probably like 20 um, and he's just, yeah, he's going a lot better. I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs, but yeah, so that was just a moment of obedience um, and my humanness wanted to give him an earful um, and I actually had someone the other day say to me, how do I use my giftings? Like, how do I, how do I you know, show God's love? And Jeremy um, said years ago, you just get up in the morning and say, you know, God, I'm yours. Like, I'm your hands and your feet. Help me to see people as you see them. Um, help me to have your perspective. And that's a good starting point. Wow. If I was a gangster, I'd want to go to Amy's youth group, would you? <laughs> cool, eh? But there we are. You see, now I love the scriptures. You've heard me talk about the Bible forever. I get in trouble for talking so much. But don't forget that the word of truth that God wants to share might be something you would have never thought of. You'd never find it in the Bible. 
We could tell that boy to read the Bible till the cows come home, but he would have never found that personal message right for him unless Amy had listened to God and been obedient. Did Amy rightly divide the word of truth? Yes, she had the right thing, which was true, to say now. And that's what it means. The right word at the right time is like gold set in silver. All right? Now, I'm going to finish off by getting Murray-ish here, and I'm going to give you a little how-to list, all right? How could you know which part of the word of truth is the right word at the right time? Number one, put the scriptures in your kete so there's something to pull out. Put the scriptures in your mind so you can retrieve them when you need them. You can't get around that one, eh? You've got to get the scriptures in there. Has anybody noticed what I have not done today? There are two things, probably, actually three. Has anyone noticed what I've not done today? Nobody has. Yes, Russ? What's that? Okay, I haven't, but then again, at this part of the sermon, I wouldn't normally have done so. Yes, I've put nothing up on the board there. Now, there's a reason for that. It's because I'm talking about our everyday conversation and how we can work things into it. When you're doing that, you won't usually have a board. So I'm doing that for a reason. The reason is it's just been conversational. Now, did Aaron, did you pick the other one? Somebody else did? Yep. I, I, yes, I have, though. I have. This is, yes, Jocelyn? Okay, not being on top of the stage. I'll tell you what it is. You haven't noticed, and actually, I'm pleased. In a way, I'm pleased you haven't noticed. Because what I've done is, I've shared all sorts of scriptures with you today, but I didn't give you the chapter and verse. Right? After the first. And Mark's, did you pick that one up, but you didn't like to say it. All right. The reason for that is, and there's a reason for that. Now, years ago, Murray's friend, Trevor Yaxley, was talking to us, and he says, look, I think you should carry your Bible everywhere you go. He pulled it out. He had a little Bible, and he says, that way, when you're talking to someone, you can say, look, there's a piece in the Bible about that. And he, look up the Bible say, look, see, read it for yourself. And you go, oh, yes, I see. You see, now I thought, oh, well. And, and, and Trevor says to his son, right, he says, if ever you catch me without my Bible, I'll pay you $5. So next day, Trevor's having a shower. Ah, Dad, you owe me $5. (laughs) (laughs) So so I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. So I got a little Bible, put it in my pocket, carried it everywhere. That didn't work for me. You know why? Because I knew what the Bible said, but I couldn't remember where it was. So I'd look at Wally if I pulled it. I'm sure there's something in here somewhere about, oh, would I look a twit? But the, but the other reason was, the other, there's another reason as well, all right? I want you to picture, I'm in the lunchroom at Brian Tinney Motors, where I often seem to, seem to end up with the mechanics, you see. And they're talking about something. I was like, hang on a minute, I just know. So I pull out my Bible and start flicking through it. it it's awkward. It changes the tone of the conversation. Now, if I'm with those, those mechanics and they're talking, say they're talking about debt, all right? Because people do. Then I say, hey, look, it's not a new problem, actually. 3,000 years ago, Solomon wrote, the borrower is the slave of the lender. Think about it. It's true, isn't it? And they go, yeah, it's true. See, I've done it very naturally. If I start pulling a Bible out, leafing through the pages, it makes the conversation awkward. Because most of the people I talk to, it's just in a natural context. That's why I didn't do chapter and verse for you today, to see how it felt like. Was it okay? Of course it was, because the important thing is what the Bible says, not exactly the address of it. You know, 
After a year or so of feeling pretty guilty about being such a lousy Trevor Yaxley, carrying my Bible but really not knowing what to do, it dawned on me, hey, Jesus never carried a Bible. He didn't even own one. The important thing is the scriptures are in his mind. He could share them. He never, ever said chapter and verse anywhere. Sometimes he'd say the author, as David wrote. Other times he'd just say, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Didn't even say where it came from. It didn't matter a sausage. It didn't. So once I learned that, I relaxed and I gained confidence and I started to put the scriptures into my conversations with people. Because I didn't know where, before then, because I didn't know where it was, I couldn't say it. So here's my advice for today. All that time you were going to spend trying to remember which chapter and verse, use it instead to, to memorize what the Bible actually says. All right? Hooray! And you know what? No one ever doubts me. I'm, you know, if I'm in the garage, nobody says, Oh, Jeremy, I don't really believe the Bible says that. And it's like, well, I'll prove it. See? No one. No one ever says, No, I don't believe that. Can you prove it? Where is it? No one. If Jeremy says the Bible says this, it does. Make sure you get it right, though. Because <laughs> if they catch you out once, you're a dog tucker, mate. All right. So here's the funny bit, all right? The funny bit is I do carry a Bible now when I go. It's, it's, an, it's a pretty amazing Bible. I can use it to call up my friend Murray. I can use it to direct me to Waikato engine reconditioners. I can even use it to show two Ronnie's videos to my dad to give him a laugh in the old folks' home. But it's a Bible nonetheless. It's, uh, it has an app in it called, my one is Bible Hub. Lots of people have their favourites, but I've got Bible Hub in here. Are you all good to go, Samuel? Now, sometimes you might sort of say, oh, I remember what Jeremy said about Trevor Yaxley and I can't find it. Now, oh, what was that thing about... Um, Jeremy said something about Jesus said, come to me in heavy loads or something. Do you ever get like that? You've sort of half got it there and you, where are you going to find it? Now, Samuel's going to demonstrate for us. Here he goes. He's, he's gone to Google. He's got Bible Hub and he goes down to whoop, Bible Hub search. Ding. He's doing it right before your eyes. So in that search box there, Samuel's going to put Jesus said, come to me, to me, and then put heavy as well. Me heavy. Now, now push the push the magnifying glass. What happened? Here we go. Jesus. Ah, look at me. And just go go down there a bit. See. Click on Matthew eleven twenty eight. Ta da! Look at that. Say, so, so come unto me. So look at the right hand side, perhaps. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's as quick as that to find what you need to find in the Bible. And all we had was four words, wasn't it? So if you're like me and you can never remember where things are, get yourself a Bible app. Now, Samuel didn't do it with an app. He just did a Google search. I've actually got a Bible app in my phone, but if I didn't, I could just Google it. So I think that's a really good idea. All of that stuff I said was number one. Put the scripture in your kitty so you can use it if you need it. Number two, listen. Listen to the person and listen to God and pray just quietly, focus on God and get prepared like Amy did, God might tell you anything. You've got to be ready. 
And number three, at the right time, pull the right scripture out of your kete. And it might not be a scripture. It might be a story. It might be a word of knowledge like Amy's. How do we know the right one? Help! Well, the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I had a mate called Merv who couldn't read. And I shared the gospel with Merv for a year. And one day, sitting right back there where Estelle was, he was sitting with his family, and I was sitting just in front. And after the church service, he started coming to church. And I turned around and said, well, Merv, it's been a year now. It's time you gave your heart to the Lord. He goes, yes, yes, that's right, I will. So he did. And mum and the kids go, oh, we will too. We were just waiting for dad. The whole family got baptized in the school pool. That was cool. But what, what Merv found, remember he couldn't read. He started to open the Bible, and he could read. He'd never been able to before. And after he'd been a Christian a couple of weeks, he goes, I better tell my mum. So he rings up his mum, and his mum was pretty anti, and she gave him a hard time. And he put the phone down, and he said, I can't believe it. Mum was asking all these questions, and I was answering them. I don't know, where did I get the answers from? I was saying all the stuff I didn't even know. You know, don't you? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Merv prayed, he stepped out in faith, made the call, and God put the words in his mouth. And that's the end of what I was going to say today. All this work that I put into this talk, and all I want in return is this. Fill your kete up with scriptures. Get out there. Listen to people. Listen to God. Pull out the right word at the right time. Rightly divide the word of truth. And let's make a difference. Let's bridge the gap. Because if we won't do it, who will? You with me on this? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the huge treasury we have in the scriptures. Just remembering those Chinese people. Let us not take for granted that we're allowed to have your precious word in our home and even in our phone. But Lord, with so much scripture there, so much wisdom and truth from you, it can be hard to know which bit to pull out now. But we've heard enough stories today to remind us that there always is a word of comfort. There always is an answer and some help we can give to someone. If we're not confident, I pray you'd give us the confidence to know that it's you, not us. Merv couldn't even read, but you could speak through him. We pray, Lord, I pray, for opportunities for each of the people here very soon. Because sometimes we need a challenge right after we hear a message to make us start to proceed on it. So I pray, Lord, that this week, many people in this room, all of them, will have an occasion come up when they just know it's their time to speak up, to speak your word of truth, and they know which bit to speak, something that will bring grace and healing and point towards salvation. We thank you, God, for revealing yourself in the Scriptures, and we thank you, too, that as Amy has reminded us, you can speak to us personally about things we would never read. Please help us to be open to those we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. 
please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.